Holy Hour of Power, Terry and Jesse show. Today is the feast day of St. James. Pray for us. Amen. One thing about St. James, we know St. James the Greater. He was the brother of John. Our Lord called uh, the, the brothers who were, uh, they were mending their nets on their boat at the Sea of Galilee. Uh, James was part of the inner circle of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was killed about 10 years later after the death of Jesus Christ, around about 44 AD by King Herod. His head was cut off in Jerusalem. Uh, <clears throat> these two guys stand as pillars of, uh, of what it means to be uh, a follower of Christ, a disciple, a man. And so we call James J- St. James the Greater, pray for us. It's also the month of July, which is dedicated to the precious blood of Jesus. The Feast of the Precious Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was instituted back in 1849 by Pope Pius IX. But, but this devotion to the precious blood of Jesus, boy, oh boy, it goes all the way back to the Passion, Terry. Well said. And Jesse, we, I'm so glad to have you back in the saddle. You've been on the road like a crazy man, but all for Jesus. I hope you're saving many souls as possible with this Amen. work. Yes. Well, brother, today we have seven Republican attorney generals. I mean, not just Republicans. Attorney generals have sent a letter to the retail giant Target warning them that their Pride Month displays may have violated state laws wow. that protect the church. That, that's big, Jesse. That, that's huge in the sense that yes. we need to yep. cover that. Also, why did so many homosexual men enter the priesthood in the 20th century? The article we're going to cover lays out, and I think compelling, the reasons why so many uh, men today are in, in the priesthood and a high percentage of them or are uh, homosexuals, and it comes back down to the de- excuse me, the feminization of our culture, and dad and young men growing up with dad without dads at home. So we'll talk more about that, Jesse. I just wanted to throw some good to know file information out. This is really good. Kevin McCarthy says Biden could face impeachment after new family corruption mm. revelations. Basically, the impeachment would be. That he was using his family, you know, his family was using the office of vice president and president to do dealings with the Chinese and others, which were just a violation of what the, what he should be doing. So we think that that's good news because I, I I'm convinced uh, he's been a disaster for our country just based on the two years we've seen. All right, another good news story: retired Catholic NFL star Philip Rivers announces. His wife is expecting now their 10th child. Mm. You know, the, what's interesting about it is he's willing to tell people. I mean, he's a, he was a f- great quarterback, and uh, he's obviously pro-life or he wouldn't have 10 children. So <laughs> that's a good news file there. How about yourself, Jess? A couple of things I want to mention, Terry, mm-hmm. um, is he, th- this is a good thing here. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks— mm-hmm currently third in their division, mm-hmm. are planning to host to host the Diocese of Phoenix in their first ever Catholic night Good. on September 29th. Good. Along with discounted t- tickets, the franchise will pass out hats with both the team emblem and the logo of the Diocese of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. The team will also donate a portion of each ticket to the Diocese Catholic School. So, Terry, that's a step in the right direction. When these guys cross the line with us, we got to jump on them like an 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. But when they do something good, like hosting Catholic Night, mm-hmm. uh, I think we should support this because this is exactly what we want to do. We want to be influencers. And it's just like the Dodgers at the end of the month. 
they're going to have Christian faith and family night. That's right. In my opinion, if, yep. if I lived anywhere near over California, I would go. I'll tell you why. Because think about this, Terry. If Dodger Corporate on Christian Faith and Family Night, if they saw the stadium packed, yep. 56,000 people, yep. and if they saw people like 20,000 people outside that wanted to get in but couldn't get in, Dodger Corporate is going to say, hmm, maybe we should have more nights for Christians like this. You think? Because this whole thing about the sissies of perpetual indulgence, this was a catastrophe. Yeah. Maybe just on a financial, uh, you know, right. just just looking a at business. dollars and cents, yeah. maybe we'll never invite these uh, sissies of perpetual indulgence again, and we'll have more Christian faith and family nights. Again, Terry, when they do something good, yep. we have to thank them for it. That's right. And and when they do something, they cross the line, we're going to be there like an 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. yeah. Make it so that uh, their business model benefits when they uh cons- when they uh, obey to our christians and Absolutely. i think that's the bottom line is yeah. make it work for them all right anything else jesse last thing i just want to mention uh, uh earlier during the week it was the feast of saint Char- charbel oh my Ma- god Ma-Luf, a lebanese saint yes here's a famous statement of the saint of saint charbel yeah. who they call they call him like the father of Pio of the east terry that's right yeah the saint father of Pio of the east he was known for miracles and healing he said this it's almost like the Fatima prophecy. He yeah. said this quote, the war of the evil one against the Lord is a war waged against the family. Wow. Close quote. Wow. Yeah. Just like Our Lady of Fatima, pretty much it's almost, it's almost a template of what Our Lady of Fatima said. Yeah. And uh, I just want to recommend anybody type on the internet for YouTube, St. Charbel uh, Malouf and uh, the miraculous healing saints. Uh, he has 20,000, 30,000 uh, reported healings. And what's interesting, Jesse, the last two years oh, that we have right now in the Middle East, the miracles have gone up about 10 times what they were just before that. So it, we've got Muslims converting to Christianity because of this saint. I'll, I'll, okay, I'm just going to say it real quick. i got to tell the story because you mentioned Okay. It. Here's what hey. happened. Yes. Okay, we got a family that is Muslim who said they've— uh, that Jesus came to them in their sleep to say that you need to become a Christian because that's the true religion. So they went to this shrine in the middle of the night, and a monk comes to the door and says, come on in, and uh, instructs them, and they, he says, fine, we're going to baptize you. They get baptized in the middle of the night. The monk says, come back for the 8 o'clock Mass. And uh, they said, okay. So they came back for the 8 o'clock Mass, and they're all excited, and they a different monk comes to the door to open up the church for the 8 o'clock Mass. They were so excited. We were baptized last night. We're brand new Christians. And the monk says, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You were baptized here. No, nobody was here last night. Let me look in the book where they have the registration for baptisms. And uh, for sure enough, the entire family with their names were baptized. And are you ready for this? Charvel was the priest who baptized them. He came back from the dead, and the monk said, gosh, he did it again. So here's the point I'm making. This is the saint of saints right now, Jess, so I just had to throw that out. All right, let's get some soul food in our soul, brother. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 and 28. The mother of the sons of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons, and did him homage. That means they bowed down or went prostrate or they, they, they bent down in front of him. Wishing to ask him for something, he said to her, What do you wish? She answered him, Command that these two sons of mine, the, 
command that these two sons of mine sit, one at your right and the other at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus said in reply, you do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the chalice that I am going to drink? They said to him, we can. He replied, my chalice you will indeed drink, but to sit at my right hand and at my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those, but, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at the two brothers, but Jesus summoned them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over you. <laughs> Reminds me of Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah, rulers of the Gentiles lord it over you. What does that mean? That they're bullies. That's what it means. Yep. And the great ones make their authority uh, over themselves felt, over them felt. Again, kind <laughs> of reminds me of Biden. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be the first among you shall be your slave. Just so the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If I had Joe Biden's phone number, I would text him that verse today uh, because he's, he's, he's the exact opposite of this. Mm-hmm. So who are the sons of Zebedee? It's James and John. Uh, James the Apostle was killed around 44 AD by King Herod. His head was cut off in Jerusalem. John the Apostle died an old man. He's the only one that didn't die a martyr. Uh, along with Peter, Peter, James, and John, they were the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. They were the three inner circle of our Lord. Also in verse 22, something that jumps out at me where our Lord says that uh, about drinking the chalice. Drinking the chalice, this is, this is an Old Testament metaphor that describes God's wrath being poured upon wicked people. And here in context, what our Lord is denoting is that his passion endured for sinners. This is what he's talking about. The, the chalice is his passion he's about to endure. And so uh, James and John, whether they know it or not, they're going to share in his passion in some way, shape or form. And uh, this is a prediction that was partially fulfilled with the martyrdom of James the Apostle in Acts chapter 12, verse 2. And all of us, Terry, are going to drink, all of us that are followers of Christ, if you're really a follower of Christ, you're going to drink of that chalice, the chalice of his passion, because we're all going to suffer before we die. Well said, Jess. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room really quick. Hey, you know what? I'm going to, Mr. King, can you wait till the break ends? And then we'll give it, because he and St. Pope Pius X were having a conversation that I think applies to us today regarding being a good shepherd. So stay with us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're going to be talking also about seven Republican attorney generals that have sent a letter to the retail giant Target, right, at warning them that their Pride Month display may have violated state laws. What's that all about? Well, we'll find out because it sounds like to me like that Pride Month of June was a disaster for them. People are waking up to this. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Pope Pius X and Bishop Sheen have something to tell us when we come back to a quick break. You won't want to miss that. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I was about to give you a conversation that Bishop Fulton Sheen had with Pope St. Pius X. And boy, does this apply to our shepherds. And it applies to Jesse and myself as fathers, anybody in leadership. This is what the Holy Father was talking about. He said, how I tremble 
to think that souls can be punished for all eternity on the account of the negligence of their pastor. Their innocent people can be led from the path of truth because the words of the inspired text were never preached to them and that the spirit of the world and of our own time especially should pour into ill-instructed minds for want of a firm hand to check its tide. And then the saint says, I have a sacred duty to defend the truth openly, for God will ask me to render account for all those souls who have strayed into the way of perdition. Jesse, it sounds like the Holy Father there doesn't believe in universal salvation, brother. <laughs> no, really. They, I would say, yep. Yeah, you see, and this is why I say the Holy Father, the bishops of our church today, they need to hear this because what I'm hearing way too much of is, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, just come on as the way you are. We, you know, not about repentance. And, Terry, I, I'll and I'll tell you why that's happening. Me, two, two reasons. Okay. Number one, the current, the current leadership in the Vatican right now yeah. You can see that they believe in what's called the primacy of conscience. There you go. You nailed it. Yeah. That, that, in other words, not what the perennial teachings of the church have taught everywhere, always, and to everyone. No. The primacy of my conscience. That's, that's the first thing that we're seeing, the first error that's prevalent. And the second error that we're seeing is that the current leadership in the Vatican also, they, uh, they use words, Terry, like, they're using words now like a new magisterium. Yeah. In other words, to they're making a break yep. from the prior magisterium of Pope Benedict, John Paul II, etc., etc. So you're hearing the language being used now as the the current magisterium, yeah. as if to say that the prior magisteriums were teaching error. Well, you nailed it, Jesse, and that's yeah. exactly what's going on. So I think yeah. we just need to keep talking about the deposit of faith and preach it and live a holy life. Because remember, um, it's the deposit of faith that was being taught that cannot change. And no matter who you are, you can't change that. All right, Jess, let's get into this article you picked out uh, regarding seven Republican attorney generals that sent a letter to the retail giant Target warning that their Pride Month display may have violated state laws. Mm. Tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, may have violated state laws that protect children from harmful content meant to sexualize them yes. and prohibit gender transitions of children. That's right. So the letter was penned by Indiana Attorney General Todd uh, Rokita yep. and signed by his counterparts from Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, and South Carolina. As the chief legal officers of our states, we are charged with enforcing state laws protecting children and safeguarding parental rights, mm -hmm. the letter stated. S this letter says, state child protection laws penalize the sale or distribution of obscene matter. A matter is considered obscene if the dominant theme of the matter appeals to the prurient interest in sex, including material, harm, material harmful to minors. Indiana, as well as other states, have passed laws to protect children from harmful content meant to sexualize them and prohibit gender transitions of children. In light of these responsibilities, the letter continued to say, we wish to communicate our concern for Target's recent Pride campaign. During this campaign, Target wittingly marketed and sold LGBTQIA plus promotional products to families, 
and young children as part of a comprehensive effort to promote gender and sexual identity among children. This year, Target reportedly promoted and sold sold products in our states that included, among other products, LGBT-themed onesies, bibs, and overalls, T-shirts labeled Girls, Gays, Theys, T-shirts that said Pride Adult Drag Queen Katya, which depicts a male dressed in female drag, and girls' swimsuits with tuck-friendly construction and extra crotch coverage for male genitalia. Rokita continued, Target also included merchandise by the self-declared Satanist-inspired brand Abprolin, which is known for designs that glorify uh, satanic violence. Mm. These designs included the phrases, quote, we bash back with a heart-shaped mace in the trans flag colors, also transphobe collector with a skull and homophobe headrest with skulls besides a pastel guillotine. Target also sold products with anti-Christian designs such as pentagrams, horn skulls, and other satanic products. One such design included the phrase, quote, Satan respects pronouns, close quote, with a horned ram representing Baphomet, a half-human, half-animal hermaphrodite worshipped by the occult. Want to pick it up from there, Terry? No, keep going, Jesse. I'm, okay. I'm researching something while you're talking. Got it. Go. The letter noted that Target provides financial support to an organization called G-L-S-E-N, pronounced GLSEN, mm-hmm. which furnishes resources to, to activists for the purpose of undermining parents' constitutional and statutory rights by supporting secret gender transitions for kids and directing public schools to withhold any information that may reveal a student's gender identity to others, including to parents or guardians. Right. Rokita wrote that the, pride dis- that the pride displays, coupled with the support for GLSEN, raise concerns under our states. After news of Target Pride Week went viral, a conservative boycott caused the company's stock prices to plummet by 16%. That's a good thing. You bet. The company's already lost $12 billion in market value. Good, good, good. I hope they lose more. The letter explained that losses of this magnitude caused by isolating Target's core customers raise concerns that Target's board and management may have acted negligently. Further evidence suggests Target's leadership may have acted on collateral interests. Target's management has no duty to fill the stores with objectionable goods, let alone endorse or feature them in attention-grabbing displays at the behest of radical activists, the letter says. However, Target management does have fiduciary duties to its shareholders to prudently manage the company and act loyally in the company's best interests. Target's board and its management may not lawfully dilute their fiduciary duties to satisfy the board's or left-wing activists' desires to foist contentious social or political agendas upon families and children at the, expe- at the expense of the company's hard-won goodwill and against its best interests. So good for these attorney generals, Terry. They're yes. putting the spotlight on Target. It's seven different attorney generals from seven different states. Uh, they seem to me, coincidence, they seem to meet uh, GOP states, red states. Uh, it, it's, it, you, don't, yeah. you don't see any uh, blue state attorney generals going after Target because they have no problem 
with uh, all this transgender clothing for kids or satanic clothing for kids. The left has no problem with this. Yeah, and Jesse, the reason I'm bringing, I was researching something today, the folks in Texas, uh, the superior courts there, they uh, talk, you talk about Satanists. Good news is the Satanists were saying that abortion was part of their ritual. You remember that. We talked about that. And that we should be, you know, freedom of religion to have, you know, our ritual, like Catholics have their ritual. We just kill babies. And the court in Texas said, no, you can't do that. It has nothing to do with freedom. And then the last thing while you were going on about this problem with, with this homosexuality, this is where things get muddy because right on the Drudge Report, right on the Internet, Pope tells trans, trans God loves us as we are. Okay, as we are. See, he doesn't tell them that they're called to chastity like Jess Romero and Terry Barber are as married men. A single man's called to chastity. Just because you have a tendency to want to, uh, you're attracted to women, that's what we call a heterosexual. But guess what? You have to say no to yourself. And the same thing for homosexuals. They have to say no. But the challenge is, in the secular media, and they're picking up on this, Holy Father, please tell them the full gospel. Don't tell people that God loves you the way you are. He loves you way too much to leave you the way you are. And I think that, this is what's causing confusion in the world when it comes to what the Catholic actually Catholic Church actually teaches. So I just wanted to bring that up in the article. Terry, what we're fighting right now, yeah. just, it, this is called the woke ideology. Right. And uh, the woke ideology, if you notice, they, go, they prowl after the innocent, especially children. The woke ideology, what do they want to do? They want to sexualize children at a younger age. They do not believe in the innocence of a child, which is Catholic moral theology. And the, the woke ideology, they want to disrupt the, 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 the normal growth of a child. They want to confuse them. And they want to teach them to be, you know, like trans activists or, or say, I think you got gender dysphoria or maybe you should experiment with your body. Yeah. And, and the problem is, is that parents who, who express any hesitation, they're labeled transphobic by the government or by the schools. Yep. Yep. And, and you also have therapists in most states are prohibited from helping a child become comfortable in their biological gender yeah. or identifying mental or emotional issues. We used to call this, uh, what was it called? Reparative therapy. Yes. The first state that got rid of reparative therapy, which was tom a Thomistic way of treating the human soul, was California. And Dr. Nicolosi is the one who did it. Yes. And then we had other states jumping on board. You know, Terry, uh, the, this, is, uh, this is the work of Satan. It uh, is. Let's be honest. That's exactly right? where it is. Yeah, here's uh, here's my, my take. Tell me. Anything. The, the, the left... They're always pushing things that are bizarre. For example, Terry, when we were younger, we used to hear about transvestites. Remember that? I remember that, of course. Yes. And now we're dealing with transgender. Yeah. And now they're talking about, in the near future, transhuman. Well, okay. guess what? Transvestites, transgender, transhuman, all of this is diabolical. You know the only trans we need? We need the transformation of our heart. Romans exactly. 12, 2. That's the only trans that Catholics need. And we, the, the only other trans that Catholics need, we need to focus on Jesus 
transfigured, transfigured. And and those are the two trends, Terry, that Catholics need. Transformation of the heart and looking at the eyes, gazing upon the transfigured Jesus, who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm done. Well said, (laughs) brother. Amen, amen, I say unto you. And again, it's all about, you know, who are we going to worship? Me, myself, or I? Or are we going to worship the King of kings, Jesus Christ? And, you know, Jesse, I said it yesterday. There's a song they sing in hell. Oh, yeah. I did it my way. There's a song they sing in heaven. I did it his way. All we're trying to say to these folks who have same-sex attraction, dude, suck it up, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Is that yeah. too hard? That's work jo- all to do, too. Jo- join the club. Yes. We've all got a cross. Exactly. When we come back, ties right into it. Why did so many homosexual men enter the priesthood in the 20th century? Well, let's find out. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse, before we begin, I wanted to say something. I said it off the air, and I'm going to say it on the air to you, bro. Uh, The Jesuits confirmed the expulsion of a priest artist and lament that the Vatican norms block Harsher sanctions. Uh, Basically, this is the priest. He's a famous priest, uh, Rubnik, R-U-P-N-I-K. He's going to remain a Catholic priest, but he's no longer a Jesuit. This guy was abusing religious for 30 years. Well, not just religious, I mean, nuns abuse. He was having intercourse sex with these girls, okay? He was raping them. Let's just be honest. And this man is a predator, and what happens to him? He gets kicked out of the Jesuits, but he's still saying mass. I'm going to bring the analogy up right now. My good friend, Father Frank Pavone. What did he do to get laicized? Was he because he was too pro-life? Was he, was he because he some accusation I saw, they didn't verify, but a woman yeah. said he put his hand on her back and rubbed her, said, it'll be all right. <laughs> but this guy does 30 years of raping nuns. nuns Virgins. And he's still saying mass. All I want to say is, why is selective discipline being done in the church? Okay, I said it. <laughs> Go ahead, Jess. Well, I think the next article answers your question, written by our good exactly. friend, Father Dave Nix, yep. named Padre Peregrino. Yep. <laughs> That's how he blogs. Yep. So why do so many... this morning. Yeah, why do so many gay men enter the priesthood in yep. the 20th century? Yep. He writes here, no order liturgy and no order doctrine attract gay sense. priests. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Here's 10 important points that Father Nix makes. He says, you got to note these 10 points well to read before, before the article of homosexuality uh, in, in, in the American Catholic Church before you understand that. So mm-hmm. he says, number one, this is not a gay bashing blog post. I have good friends who have struggled with same-sex attraction. Most of them were smart enough not to enter seminary or religious life. I say smart because it would be stupid to, live, to go live with 100 people you're sexually attracted to for over seven years. Terry, second bullet. No, you go ahead. I got uh, you. You hit him, Jeff. Okay, go ahead. I do not believe anyone is born gay. Uh-huh. So the correct Catholic term is actually someone who struggles with same-sex attraction. Yes. However, for the sake of brevity, I will use the term gay or homosexual. Three. There have always been gays in the priesthood, but this blog post is a cultural evaluation of what is different about the 20th and 21st century. I know a 55-year-old priest who claims that 60% of the priests his age are gay. And 80% of the bishops are gay. 
The priest who told me this is a normal diocesan priest who does not even know the traditional Latin mass. Many priests and seminarians from several dioceses concur on these admittedly estimated numbers. Number four. If you can show me any time in church history with as many gays as a Catholic church in Europe and America and America currently has, I will give you my vehicle. You giving me numerous quotes from St. Peter Damien in the 11th century is not sufficient. In fact, the fact that we have only one saint repeatedly quoted on this topic from 19 centuries before, before our own, proves to me that we've never had an epidemic of so many homosexuals in the priesthood as today. Great that's point. a really good, that's a Great good point, point there. Yep. Yeah. Five. Most seminarians and, and, and priests and seminarians under 45 years old in the U.S. are straight, so things are getting better. Yep. <laughs> Good news. Yeah, it is. Six. And, yep. Keep yeah. going, Jesse. 80% of the cases of priests raping children came from priests, including now bishops and cardinals, who self-identify as same-sex attracted. And he got an article that proves that. Yeah. Seven. Nevertheless, only 1.8% of priests are pedophiles, as proven in another article that he has sourced. Eight. This blog post is not about the child abuse in the clergy, but one of the many underlying perversions, namely homosexuality in the priesthood. That is not the exclusive cause of criminal activity, but it is not a a factor we can ignore. Nine. The blog post is not about the full history of homosexuals in the priesthood, but rather the cultural factors and attacks on the church in the 20th century that created the perfect storm for many homosexuals to enter the Catholic seminaries. Ten. The next blog post after this one will have solutions to many of the below problems. 11. Jesus Christ chose 12 fishermen as his first Catholic bishops. Let that reality set in for a minute. Tough, blue-collar workers who never made it to rabbi school were chosen as apostles. To be sure, neither were they impious doofuses. They were tough, blue-collar workers who took their faith seriously, even when they had to say things to our Lord like, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. They thought in black and whites, they, they thought in black and white like that, not Hegelian grays. By the way, Hegel was a German liberal philosopher who basically said that the rational alone is real to the exclusion of the spiritual. Go ahead, and, Terry. And if I could just mention, um, Father quotes Father Edward Schellebeck. He was one of the Dominican fathers of Vatican II. He was a liberalist they come. He said, we made sure that we used ambiguous phrases during Vatican II mm-hmm. so that we can interpret it any way you want to interpret it. And that, that makes total sense. He says, even in conservative dioceses, there's no order to the Novus Ordo liturgy. Let's just be honest. You can go anywhere, and the Mass is going to be a little different. Yes. And that's not a good thing. So uh, think about this. Father out. he says this. American dioceses have at least one young straight priest who has been suspended from offering public Masses, not because he does the traditional Latin Mass, but because he did the Mass of Vatican II according to the so-called rules of Vatican II. But as Schillebeck admitted, the ambiguity of the Mass of Paul VI was ultimately for chaos in the rules. This does not come from me, but from one of the main players of Vatican II. And let's just be honest. If you have so many options, and then who's to know what is legitimate and what isn't? I've been to Masses, Jesse, and you have too, in the last 40, 50 years— and you question, where did that come from? Well, it was his personal opinion. What's he blowing, blowing up balloon, uh, birthday balloons at Mass? Where's that in the, in the rubrics? It's not. But you see, without anybody disciplining the priests, and, and if you look at the Roman Missal, it is laid out real clear what you can and can't do. Yeah. But when it's not 
uh, uh, you know, implemented, then they have many problems. And I think this sets right up for people who have same-sex attraction because what does that say? There's no order? Okay, well then... I can do what I want to do because exactly. you know I'm I'm free. I've, I'm, what did Jesse say about his conscience? Superior you know, privacy of conscience. There, yeah, there you go. My conscience says I can do this because I feel like doing it, and that's not the that's not the church. Of, that's not what Jesus Christ teaches. Yep. Uh, here's where he goes right to the infiltration. Here's yeah. where it starts. Hit it. He says, similarly, up until the 20th century, the priesthood was known as the most difficult life that a Catholic man could live. We all know of the constant physical pain felt by the first missionaries to the United States, oh, yeah. like the Jesuit St. Isaac Jogues or the Franciscan St. Junipero Serra. Yep. St. Isaac Jogues had his fingers chewed off by the Iro- Iroquois Indians in upstate New York. St. Junipero Serra walked from central Mexico to Southern California after being stung on his heel by a, a couple times. Yeah. Go ahead. All to establish missions up and down the California coast. These were tough men. Yeah, you're not kidding. Before Vatican II, he writes... There was already a small infiltration of homosexuals and communists in the seminaries and religious religious orders in the U.S. and Europe. People expect this from old school Jesuits and Franciscans. But did you know that bishops in the 19th century led lives as physically challenging? The first bishop of Colorado, Bishop Joseph Machibuf, mm-hmm. swept up and down the front range, uh, modern day I-25 from Santa Fe to Denver and then back again. Establishing missions, fighting off bandits of bands of bandits, mountain lions and bears, sleeping in tents, eating little, exposed to the New Mexico heat and the Colorado cold. Wow. Bishop Machibuf left France for his challenge in the 19th century and went everywhere with two priests. It was a hard life that only the toughest Catholic Frenchman could endure. Colorado's first parish is established by the first bishop of Colorado, Bishop Machibuf came at the price of his own body being racked by constant pain, wow. yet it left him a humble demeanor and an excellent sense of humor. Only the toughest athletes of Europe could become priests in the United States, be it religious or diocesan. Before Vatican II, there was already a small infiltration of homosexuals and communists mm-hmm. in the seminaries and religious orders in the United States and, and Europe. In the 1960s, a French nurse named Mary Curie, Carr, Mary, Mary Carr, mm-hmm took care of a man in a horrible in a horrible car accident. She found in his briefcase nearly unbelievable evidence that the communists had placed 1,100 men into the Western seminaries for ordination, yep. and they had made it to ordination undetected. The man who died in that car was one of them, and the findings of that mysterious briefcase are in this book. It's called, the book's called A.A. Uh, Anti-Apostle, Anti-Apostle 1025. Yep. The point is that the infiltration of the priesthood of communists, gays, and Freemasons began sometime in the 20th century, significantly before Vatican II. Remember that the point of this blog is simply to show how the culture and the church changed to allow more gays into the priesthood than ever before. Part two will be the solutions. Also, remember that this blog is not about the raping of children. Remember that that uh, that note, Nota Beni, number six at the beginning of this blog post, shows that 80% of priests who harm children were identified as gay. That's a fact. Catholicism grows very well in pain and opposition, but by the time John F. Kennedy was president of the U.S., Catholics were no longer sidelined, but rather mainstream. Yep. Fighting side by side with Protestants in two world wars earned us the respect as equals, as true American citizens, of course, the Irish Catholic President Kennedy greatly promoted the cause of Catholic popularity in the U.S. and Europe. This is fine, too, but it presents a small problem. It's hard to be faithful when things get easy as a Catholic, 
as the Clear Creek translation of the Bible says in Deuteronomy 32.15, the beloved have become fat and frisky, close quote. Thus Catholics, and especially priests and bishops, went from unpopular and poor in the 19th century to popular and rich after the Second World War. It came to be that if you want to live in a multi-million dollar rectory just for offering one mass a day, and you don't want to tell your mother why you don't like women, then the Catholic priesthood might be right for you. I'm looking at an article that has a picture of three bishops and their clerics. The bishop in the middle is straight, but I learned, Father Nick says, as a priest, that that gentle elbow grab from one bishop to another with a goofy smile is usually a good sign that the cleric is struggling with same-sex attraction. I mean, not struggling. Well, Jesse, I got to just jump in and say, you know, this is obviously bad. I want to tease everybody right now and say, why don't the current young Orthodox priests blow the whistle on this gay mafia? Like, for example, Father, Father Nix is doing it. Yes, he's doing it. But yeah. you know what? He's got courage, you see? Yeah. And I believe that that is the answer. We'll talk more about it, uh, solutions, all this, too. But it's a sad situation we're in. But you know what? we got to speak the truth in charity and clarity, and that's what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. More with the uh, Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are too blessed to be stressed. Yes, we are. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, Jess Romero, Terry Barber, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Father Dave Nix knows how we got here. He writes how home, how so many homosexuals infiltrated the Catholic Church. He says that as if this was not a perfect storm enough, then Vatican II arrived. For nearly forty years before Vatican II, there was a small creep of modernism, mm-hmm. homosexuality, and even communism in the seminaries in North America and South America. Vatican II was not the root of such men in the church, but they certainly hijacked the original documents of the council in the second week of October 1962. The decade that followed Vatican II was not the genesis of gay priests, but it allowed them to live in the open. And here's my guess as to why. All through seminary, Father Nix writes, I was told that there was no change to liturgy or doctrine. Vatican II had just been misimplemented. I repeated this odd mantra and somehow I got ordained. So I arrived at my parish and I do the Mass of Vatican II, according to the rules of Vatican II as faithfully as I could. Then I, then I sadly had five parishes in five years, repeatedly getting booted for disallowing careless so-called extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. <laughs> Only one of those pastors was probably gay, thankfully. But still I would always end up in the bishop's office quoting a 2004 document, Redemptionis oh, Sacramentum, yeah. sure. from John Paul II, against this and countless other abuses. Yep. At the end of five years, I had been kicked out of five parishes, and I was exhausted. If I expected my, my reader in previous blogs to pity me for having so many parishes, I now write this to prove a simple point. If a priest, like me, is not allowed to do the Mass of Vatican II, according to the rules of Vatican II in a conservative diocese under five conservative pastors, then there is no order to the Novus Ordo Mass. Good point. Yep. He says, let me write again. Let me write that again, this with no exaggeration. Even in conservative dioceses, to the Novus Ordo liturgy, this means that the Mass of Vatican II was not just misimplemented, it was written to have no order. 
The Dutch Dominican father of Vatican II, Father Edward Skillebeck, said, We have used ambiguous phrases during the council, and we know how we will interpret them afterwards, close quote. Even in conservative diocese, there's no order to the Novus Ordo Liturgy. I can tell him he's right. I, I'm in a conservative diocese, Phoenix, and I can tell you, even in the in the good Novus Ordo parishes, you go from one Novus Ordo parish to another, there's something at least a little bit different. So Father makes a very good point. And he says, let's go right down to the, 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 low, uh, the bottom of the article where he says, so what happened to the straight men who were attracted to solid doctrinal parameters? They were kicked out of seminaries in the 1990s. A man who does not believe in any objective order for his sexuality, homosexual be- sex at best, or child abuse at worst, is going to be attracted to a mass where he, the narcissist, is the only point of reference for entertaining the people. Furthermore, <clears throat> unrepentant gay men prefer the fuzzy doctrine of the post-Vatican II era, for here, every, every rule can be dispensed for, <coughs> drumroll, pastoral reasons. Oh, yeah. Once the gay, conniving, manipulative priests began to fill seminaries and religious orders in the 1970s, they easily became priests by the 1980s and then bishops by the 1990s. To prove that gay bishops ambitiously helped each other in ladder climbing through the hierarchy would take another five blog posts, always follow the money. Oh, and follow the sex. As we saw in Cardinal McCarrick history, the gay hierarchy purposefully sought out soft or handsome young men and even boys to enter their seminaries for untoward reasons. And Jesse, if I can just jump in, I mentioned the Jesuit priest who just got booted for his... Rupnik. Rupnik, the yeah. guy that was out there uh, having sex raping, with all raping the, yeah, the sisters. No, he's raping them. Raping yeah, them. And so, but here's my point, is that the superiors knew all this. Everybody knew that he was doing it. You know what? If he can get away with it, no, our power to him. It was only because he he got exposed for what he was doing. Here's my question. McCarrick the same way. The people in the church knew McCarrick was doing all these bad things. The reason that wasn't being stopped is because nobody had the guts to say, okay, I'm willing to take it. I'm willing to be a whistleblower in the Catholic Church. That's the problem. That's right. Father uh, Dave Nix writes, conservative orders like the Legionnaires of Christ yeah. were, simply anu- were simply smoother about their destruction of the priesthood than the liberals. Yeah. It should be noted that this gay perversion and child abuse has even made it a little bit to, uh, has even made it a little bit to certain traditional religious congregations that use the traditional Latin mass. Joseph Siamber reported abuse of children in the traditional society of St. John decades ago. Yeah. He, was, he was not fully vindicated until the last chapter of the recently released 2018 Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report. And, and the article, it shows a picture here uh, of Monsignor Batista Rica and Pope Francis are looking at each other. Uh, Monsignor Batista Rica, who was a Vatican diplomat, posted in, in Montevideo, Uruguay, yeah where he was allegedly caught in an elevator with a male child sex slave. I wonder if he went to go see Sound of Freedom. No, he probably wouldn't like the movie. Monsignor Rica was later named and is the head of the papal resident at Casa Santa Marta. Monsignor's special friend was reported to a former Swiss guard. Why don't current young Orthodox priests blow the whistle on this gay mafia? Uh 
Because most of the straight guys become cowardly, company men under their gay superiors, yep. even when they avoid sexual sins with them, occasionally one priest or another has the fortitude to blow the whistle, but when a priest blows a whistle on a gay orgy of, of other priests, his bishop removes him. That's how it works. And you know, the, move, the book Goodbye Good Man, which we put on cassette tape, it talks about all this uh, going on in the Catholic Church. And I think that for most people who hear this, they're, there's no way that could be going on in the church. Well, I hate to say it. I, at one point, Jesse, I thought it was an exaggeration. Not anymore, brother. Yeah, Terry. Uh, I'm red-pilled. Yeah, I think you and me red-pilled a long time ago. And by the way, you know, goodbye, good men. Uh, when it came out, most people were saying, this guy's crazy. This guy's, uh, you know, QAnon. This guy's... This guy, where did this guy get this information from? And then little by little, yep. we're starting to see, you, you start looking at the track record, yep. Terry, oh, yeah. and and there was other books that were also written. I know there was a very famous Catholic priest, a friend of yours. Father was, Enrique his, Rueda. Yes. Uh, he, he wrote a book, Terry, where he, he basically, uh, he he documented all of this as well. Back the in Homosexual the Network is the title of the book. And, and he paid a price for oh, it. Oh, his life. Uh, and then you also have that Polish priest, that Orthodox Polish yeah. priest that came out with a document. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, it was Pope Benedict had asked him to kind of investigate what's going on in the church. Yeah. And he came out with a 300 page dossier oh, no. saying the same thing that Father Enrique Rueda said and that uh, yeah. Michael Rose said in Goodbye, Good Men. Right. Uh, and there's also a, another book written by another author. It, it's uh uh, the the point of the matter is Terry. There's been people that have been blowing the whistle. Yeah, it's well documented. Yeah, well, well, well documented. So the article ends by saying, Father Ripper, uh, uh, Nix, Father Dave Nix says, finally realize that the necessity of gay men running parishes jives very well with an American with an America where women are the spiritual leaders of the families. Exactly. Although I blame these scandals entire, although I blame these scandals entirely on priests, not on families. We must recognize that the breakdown of the family contributed to such rotten Big priests. Time. Catholic boys for the past 50 years have been mostly raised by their mothers, not their fathers. This has partly contributed to a mostly gay priesthood. These gay priests furthermore surround themselves with old women in the parish to whom they give much control. It's a symbiotic relationship. The gay priest gets to gossip over coffee with the ladies all morning. In return, the ladies are delegated control of a parish. The next best thing to getting ordained. Yes, wow. he, he, that's he, so well said what Father just said there because, you know, how can you be a spiritual father if your sisters and your mother are the ones who raise you and you don't have a, a father in your home? It makes no sense. I'll just, I'm not saying uh, that all priests who don't raise with uh, their, a father in the home are homosexuals, but they, that does, what it does is that feminization, it, there's a feminization that goes on. They don't get their manlyhood. I'll give you an example. My own Archbishop Gomez was raised by his sisters. He had no father when he was raised as a child. Mm. I'm not saying he's a homosexual. I'm just saying he yeah. doesn't seem to have the uh, guts to speak up on hard issues and to call people in our diocese out when they're wrong because he seems to not want controversy. And I find that that when you've been feminized by the way you grow up, See, Jesse, we were taught as young men, if you need to fight, you fight. Am I wrong or am I right? No, that's, a, that's precisely the point. 
And and Terry, you know, in no. in times in times past, you uh, the church made some very very strong sta- statements on homosexuality. Nineteen sixty one was one of them said you can't be a priest. Yeah, and uh, that was under Pope John, John the twenty third. And it, they just they the church here in the U S. just shoved that under the carpet. Yep, they did. Because had they enforced that, oh. we wouldn't have the problems that we've had. Amen, bro. We wouldn't have paid over a billion dollars in lawsuits. Yep, just 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 in Los Angeles, one billion. Yeah, just in LA, four billion, billion throughout the dice throughout the country. I think the oldest, uh, the oldest place where we see yeah. that homosexuality was denounced, again in the Bible, if you look at Divine Revelation, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. That's, that's Genesis nineteen. That's very clear what God thinks about sodomy. But even before that, people also wonder: so why did God destroy the earth at the time of Noah? Well. The Jewish commentary on the book of Genesis by the Jews, by Jewish rabbis at the time of Christ, is called Midrash. Mm-hmm. The Midrash on the book of Genesis, which is a, the rabbi's commentary at the time of Christ, they say that the generation of the flood at the time of Noah was because there was a rampant sodomy, men, ma- ma- male to male sex, and also rampant bestiality, man to animal sex. Oh my God. That's why God destroyed the earth. Those were the two sins that were rampant. And so, as Catholics, this is divine revelation. I don't know why there's so many prelates today in the Catholic Church, especially those that, that in the Vatican, they're confused about this. And they're soft on this. And let me tell you, Terry, God was not soft on this. No, and that's just it. But you see, Jesse, we've got priests like... Uh, Father James Martin, who said that the Bible is wrong, Jess. Those scripture verses and and Romans, they're just plain wrong. See, this is why we need strong leadership to call these men out, because if they don't do it, the error will continue. And that's the challenge we pray for our leaders in our church. Jess Romero, what state should we be living in, brother? Let's all strive to live in the state of sanctifying grace, pursue a life of holiness. And let's all strive uh, to not live in a state of mortal sin. That's the last state that you want to live in. And remember, keep putting the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. Let's speak the truth, the power, and live without fear. Terry? When we, co- when we come back, we have Bishop Joseph Strickland giving us an update on his visitation from the Vatican. You won't want to miss that, folks, here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just get your free app by going to vmpr.org. Download it. Bishop Strickland, in his own words, what's the latest going on with his Uh, investigation from the Vatican. Don't forget, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's pray and sacrifice for Holy Mother of the Church. God bless you.